Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. Well, hey, I first want to start by saying thank you so much for being here on this day that we have set apart to be called Welcome Home, our Welcome Home Sunday. And, um, you know, Welcome Home is a phrase that probably all of us know that hopefully it communicates that you hear welcome home when you arrive at a place that you know is yours, that you arrive at a place that you know is home. And it's one of those places that you can come and you can take your shoes off, take a deep breath, just kick back and just be you. How many of you have been on those trips, whether it's a business trip or those nightmarish vacations that you finally just get home and you sound like Dorothy. There is no place like home. Well, that is the culture that my prayer is, is that we cultivate here. It's a place for all of us to gather that we can all just take a deep breath and just be us. You know, one of the reasons that I love this place so much is because this is the very thing y'all let me do each and every week. I get to stand up here. You hear about my home. You hear about my kids. You hear about my struggles. And there's probably more times than not that you leave going home feeling pretty good about yourself based off me. I thought I was jacked up. That little dude's a mess. But to me, that's, that's what home should be for a place we can just be us. You know, and Pastor Brandon shared just a moment ago talking about belonging. You know, that word belong is one that we use a lot around here. It may be on a, painted on a wall. It may be on the front of a card. Um, I know it used to be on a lot of the T-shirts. It's been on bracelets, all of those type things. But that is genuinely our heart's desire is for every person that steps on this campus, first and foremost, to know that you can belong to God. We desire that every person that steps on this campus that has a relationship with God, or we wanna introduce you um, to the way that you can. But then also, not only do we want you to know that you can belong to God, but we also want you to feel that you have a family that you can belong to as well. And so as I've shared before, There's two waning questions that are always going around in my mind every single Sunday. Because in just about 40 minutes, we'll all be saying our final amens and heading to the parking lot. And before I I realize it, I will be on the way back to my truck a lot of times by myself or with half a dozen kids, depending on who drew the shortest straw. 
But sometimes that walk back to my truck is the heaviest walk because there's two questions that constantly that I will wrestle with all, all afternoon today and that I will wrestle with tonight. And one of those questions is this. Did someone leave today feeling like they didn't belong? Did somebody leave church today feeling like they didn't belong? And the second question that, I, that often keeps me awake at night is did we as a church family provide a place where people felt at home? Because you know that's the culture that we're trying to cultivate. That's the very reason you hear so much of my laundry. Because I get to come every week and I don't have to put on a mask. I don't have to perform. I just get to be me because that's what I want for you is I want you to just be you. Because the reality is, ain't none of us got it figured out. We're all a mess. We're all a mess in need of a savior. And so with all that being said, I've got some statistics that I wanna share with you that are very eye-opening and it is in regards to the decline of the church in America. In 1972, 92% of Americans declared to be Christians. If we continue in the path that we're headed, by 2070, that number will be well below 50%. <clears throat> Research from Gallup says this, that in 2019, 34% of Americans claim to attend church. Fast forward one year to 2020, that number quickly dropped below 30%. Less than 30% say they attend church. Church attendance since COVID has, has not exceeded 85% of where it was before COVID. People just decided not to go back. People just decided that it's better just to stay at home. And so for me, that bothers me. Kind of what God's called me to worry about, I guess. And so I asked the question over and over in my mind, why? Why are people not going back to church? Why are people not going to God's house? I mean, there's no place I'd rather be. And so I begin to think in my mind, and you're gonna hear how fleshly I am. I immediately answer the question in my own thoughts, and I'll say, well, I guess the reason people aren't coming back is because they just don't care. People just don't care. Then the second thought that comes to my mind, why do people not come back? Ah, oh, they just don't love God. Then if I'm being real honest, you know what my next excuse is? People just plumb lazy. Now look, that's me being honest in front of you. I'm just saying, hey, look, these have gotta be the reasons that people aren't coming to church. Then I stumbled across an article this week written by Kerry Newhoff, and he took some Barna research and he gave five reasons as to why people aren't coming back to church. The first one is hypocrisy and moral failure among church leaders. I think we could have all probably guessed that one. 
This next one ought to break every one of our hearts. God is missing in the church. God is missing in the church is why people aren't coming back. Third reason, and these aren't in any order. Legitimate doubt is prohibited. That says that, hey, church is a place I can't be me. I can't ask questions if I have questions. I just gotta pretend like I understand it all. You hear me each and every week. I've been saved since I was 13 years old and I'm still trying to figure it all out. Bring your questions. I have them all the time. The fourth reason, people say they aren't learning about God. They aren't learning about God. And then the last reason, they're not finding community. They feel like they don't belong. So as I looked at those reasons, I began to think about it and it honestly began to break my heart because what I realized, and what I'm about to say is, seems very harsh, but the, decre the decrease in the church in America is not necessarily because of those outside the church, but because of those inside the church. The decrease in the church in America is not because the people outside, it's because the people inside. And for us as children of God, that ought to break every one of our hearts. So what does this mean for us? For us at Chestnut Mountain, I begin to get on my face and say, God, what can we do? What can we as a church family do to change the trajectory of the church? How can we, through your power, turn this thing around? How can we make this a place that people are drawn to? How can we make this a place that people realize, hey, that's the place I can go, then I don't have to have it all figured out. That's a place I can go every Sunday morning and I can take all of my mess with me. I don't have to leave it at the door. I can walk in this place and I can share my struggles. I can be broken. And I can yell at my wife all the way through the parking lot. Because y'all know we've all done that. You yell at each other, yeah, 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 all the way to church. And then all of a sudden, you gotta put that spiritual hat on as soon as you get out and you walk in holding hands and, you know, and knowing you're squeezing it as hard as you possibly can. And you're going, I can't wait to get home and finish what we started. Just come on in. Just come on in the way you are. And so how can we change that? And that's what I wanna share with you today. I believe how we as the church in our little community, and I don't even know the name of our community. Some say it's Chestnut Mountain. Well, where's that? Somebody put point to this little hill over here and they say, that's Chestnut Mountain. I'm like, where? <laughs> and then here, we've got a flowery branch address. There's a Brazelton one right over here. There's a Hushton one right over here. And right around the corner, there's one that says Gainesville. We don't even know where we are. But I believe that God has placed us in this location 
to change the trajectory of the church in our little community. And I believe that we have the ability to change the world and it starts right here. So the plan I'm gonna lay out is not a self-help plan. It's not say if you follow these steps, this is how we'll grow our church attendance because that's not the heart behind why we do what we do. We're actually gonna look at the word of God where I believe the instructions are made very clear. So if you've got your Bible, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And while you're turning there, I wanna give you just a very, very high overview of what Romans is about. If you look in the book of Romans, chapters one through 11, Paul is preaching and teaching the gospel. He's sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. He's talking about salvation by faith and faith alone, by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, the finished work, and it goes on and on and on. And of course, there's a lot more details there than that, but that's it in a nutshell. But then the last four chapters of this book, verses, or chapters 12 through 16, are basically the results of knowing what chapter one through 11 are about. So we know what the gospel is about, and then chapters 12 through 16 is how our lives look in response to knowing what chapters one through 11 are about. So if you were gonna make this a mathematical equation, it would be chapters one through 11 equals chapters 12 through 16. It's the response from a child of God to knowing the gospel of Jesus Christ and knowing the love that he has for us. But then when you look into Romans chapter 12, there's 25 traits that are listed as to what this transformation in a child of God looks like. That there was our life before Christ, and then we begin to unpack all of these traits that we as children of God now have inherited that we should be living out. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna break it down even more and we're only gonna look at verses nine through 13. And as we read verses nine through 13, what this is discussing is basically teaching the believer how we should be treating one another. And then very quickly at the very last part of verse 13, he's gonna tell us, this is how you treat each other as children of God but then here's how you also treat everybody else that's not a part of the family just yet. So read with me in verses nine through 13 in Romans chapter 12. Paul says, let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil, cling to what is good, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Take the lead in honoring one another. Some of your Bibles probably have a better translation of that and it says outdo each other when showing honor. So take the lead in honoring one another or outdo each other in showing honor for one another. Verse 11, do not lack diligence and zeal. Be fervent in the spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, be persistent in prayer, and then share with the saints in their needs and pursue hospitality. Now, the first thing I want us to look at is an obvious one. Starts in verse in the very first verse we read there. Love without hypocrisy. That we're to love without hypocrisy. And if Brian Hall had to define what does that mean, it would simply say, if I'm loving with, with hypocrisy, I'm not practicing what I'm preaching. 
So love without hypocrisy means that we better be living out what we're preaching. This word hypocrisy, if it translates in the original language, it, it translates down to the word sincere. Sincere is a word that we would know as real or not fake. And so Paul is saying, let your love be sincere. Let your love be real. Live out what you're talking about. But then I got curious and I wanted to even know what does the word sincere means? Like that's the word that we all the time use, but do we really know what sincere means? And so I began to look in the original language of what sincere means. And what I found out the definition of sincere meant really caught me scratching my head because sincere means without wax. Yeah, your faces look like mine. I went, what in the heck does without wax have to do with love? What does that mean? Until I began to look a little deeper. You see, in Bible times, all of the kitchen utensils, all of the bowls, all the water pots, everything was made out of clay. And so a lot of times, clay, we know that it's pretty fragile in a lot of conditions. And so oftentimes, these pots would get cracks in them. They would, be, they would be dropped and they would break. And so what they would do in order just to throw it out, instead of just throwing it to the garbage, what they would do is they would melt hot wax down and they would take and begin to put the pieces of clay back together and they would fill all of the cracks with this hot melted wax till it began to harden and it would become as a putty and they would begin just to smooth it out. They would paint it the same color as the remainder of the pot. And so now all of a sudden when they polished it, you step back and it looks as if the pot had been restored to its original condition. So on the outside looking in, it looks like the very thing that we started with, right? It looks real. It looks authentic. It looks sincere until the heat was applied. And then all of a sudden, when the heat was applied to this pot, the wax began to melt and begin to ooze from each and every crack. And what ended up happening is the reality of the condition of that pot was exposed because it couldn't stand the heat. You see, so when Paul tells us to love, let our love be sincere, how many times in our lives do we have people that will tell us they love us, but when the heat of life gets turned up, they disappear? When things get difficult, all of a sudden people just go away. When the heat of life gets turned up, all the very people that told you how much they loved you, all of a sudden they're nowhere to be found. That's exactly what Paul is saying. Don't let our love be that way. But then on the flip side, how many times have you been in the toughest valleys of life and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, somebody shows up? And they show up and you're scratching your head thinking, man, I hadn't talked to you in two years. But you see, the true love was exposed. And so when we think about this, it begins to make a lot more sense to us that difficult times often expose the hypocrisy of love. 
But then Paul goes on to expand and he talks about that we're to love one another as brothers and sisters. Now I wanna say something here and I wanna try not to sound like a jerk, but both services already have, have laughed without me saying anything. But you know, there's people in our life that we're related to by blood, right? The same blood in your veins flows through their veins and we love them, right? Why? For no other reason than we have to. Okay, y'all giggled a little bit. Y'all are just trying to be super spiritual. So y'all are like, I just can't believe he said that. But the reality is we all have those family members that the same blood that flows through our veins flow through their veins and we love them. Why? Because we have to. Because we're blood connected. We don't have a choice. There's nothing that can happen in life that can unrelate you. Yeah, you can audibly say it, but the reality is nothing you can do can change your relationship with that person based off the blood in your body and the blood in my body. It doesn't happen. You love them because you have to. Paul says as a child of God in the family of God, this is the same mentality that we should carry for one another. That we should love each other. No matter what walk of life, no matter what we're guilty of, no matter what sin we're living in, no matter how rebellious we are, but the reality is that once you are born into the family of God, you inherit a entire new family, whether you like it or not. That is why we oftentimes around here, we will use the terminology of when we celebrate new life in Christ, when we will celebrate decisions that are made of people placing their faith in Jesus, whether it be in Cambodia, whether it be in Nepal, whether it be at Christ Place, whether it be at Free Chapel, whether it be at Union Baptist Church, wherever it may be, if it's in this building, if it's downstairs with kids, but we always celebrate the fact that once someone is born again, our family gets bigger. That is the body of Christ. That is what the family of God is all about, is knowing and understanding that when we are adopted into the family of God, the one thing we have in common is we all have the same father, and now we all have the same blood and it's not the blood that is in our veins, but it is the blood that has been applied to our life that has made us all whiter than snow. Paul talks about it in Romans chapter eight. Flip back there right quick. I won't stay there, but just a minute. Romans chapter eight. And I love when he talks about just this adoption concept. But if you look at chapter eight, verse 12, he starts out, look how he starts it out. So then brothers and sisters, He's not talking about blood relatives. Then going down to verse 14. For all those led by God's spirit are God's sons. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. You see, the one thing all of us have in common, that we were all in rebellion. And God in his love and mercy 
snatched us from our rebellion, drew us to himself, and by the repenting of our sins and confessing him as Lord Jesus Christ, we are adopted into the family of God and we all have the same father. So y'all stuck in heaven with me whether you like it or not. You can ask the Lord to put you on the other side with your own little place, that's fine, I get it. But that's the beauty of God's family. That's the beauty of understanding that this is the way that we're commanded to love one another. I could spend all day here, and, but we won't. We'll go on and keep looking. And look at what he says in verse 10. He says, outdo one another in showing honor. Now this one, if we wanna be real honest, if we were to stop that segment right in the middle and we just stopped it with outdo one another, America's got that whipped. You realize that for a lot of us, that's the only reason we wake up every day. We wake up to outdo each other. We wake up to outdo each other with monetary gain. We wake up every day to outdo one another with our sports success. We wake up every day with a monetary or to the, with the, the idea of outdoing each other in all of our business adventures. Shoot, if you look at our staff, we wake up every day, all of our staff seeing who had most kids. <laughs> it's become a joke around here. I'm retired, by the way. <laughs> anyway, we won't go into that one. Travis, get that grin off your face, please. But our American culture, this is all how we're hardwired. We have to wake up every day to see how we can outdo each other. But what Paul is teaching here, instead of outdoing each other from a worldly perspective, what would it look like if we outdid each other with honoring each other? Honor simply means to demonstrate a high respect and a great esteem for someone. You see, what the world teaches us, the world teaches us that everybody owes us something. The world teaches us that everybody owes us something. But what would the world look like if we all woke up every day thinking we owed everybody else something? And instead of just sitting around waiting to get, what would it look like if we simply woke up trying to figure out what we could give? Showing honor is doing anything we can to make someone else feel important rather than wanting them to see us as important. That's it in a nutshell. Honor is doing everything we can to make somebody else feel important instead of us trying to prove ourselves so that they think we are. So thus far, we've seen Paul say, you wanna be the church? Here's how you love each other. You honor each other. 
And then the last thing we're gonna look at today is we're gonna serve each other. In verse 13, Paul says that we share with the saints in need. That's part of the family of God. Just a moment ago, we participated in an act of worship by giving and being open-handed with the resources that God's given us. And we, and we pass baskets. And as long as God calls me here to be the pastor, we're gonna keep passing baskets. And I know that you can do it on your phone. My wife does it on her phone. But this is an opportunity for us to do exactly what Paul is talking about, to be open-handed with the resources that God has entrusted us with. And so the reason why is so that we can live out this biblical mandate that we're seeing here in Scripture. That we can serve each other. We can help one another. And there's so many things I just wish that you could come and take like a field trip and, and sit in our office for a week. To answer phone calls for a week. Because there's so much that you get to play a part in that you don't get to see. And that breaks my heart. And I promise I'm gonna do a better job in 2024 letting you know what you get to be a part of. And there's several things here that I'm gonna mention that, that to you and I, they may seem very, very minuscule, very, very small. However, but the person that it's given to or provided for, can I tell you that it's the world to them? Because just within the last couple of weeks, you as a church have helped keep people's power on in their home. And you remember last week, seven degrees, you can't really afford to be power out. You also as a church, you help people stay in their homes. You as a church provide food for a lot of tables. Our bill's gotten a lot cheaper the last three weeks because we ain't had to provide as much food. Y'all didn't catch that. How many of you are going to eat afterwards? Good gosh. See, they didn't even catch. This is the last day of the fast. Praise be to the Lamb of God. <laughs> Whew, pray. I'm just going to get some bloody meat. I can't wait. Sorry. I'm getting a little excited. Sorry, Jeff. I didn't mean to go there. Anyway. You as a church, because of your obedience, you get to provide home repair for some people. Now, I want you to understand that, yes, there is a process that one has to go through. But I want you to hear today that in a lot of cases, your obedience is the answer to somebody else's prayer. So many people that we talked with will be in a place where they're crying out, God, if you don't show up, my house is gone. God, if you don't show up, my power's going off tomorrow. And as they're crying out to God, God's using you to be the answer to their prayer. And that's exactly what Paul is saying that we're called to do as a family as a home. But then this last one, and this is the last thing we're gonna talk today is one that I'm 
pretty passionate about. And it's to pursue hospitality. When he's instructing us to pursue hospitality, that literally means to pursue the love of strangers. Now look, I understand. I understand how easy it is to walk in here, to walk onto this campus on a Sunday morning and to gravitate towards the people you know to gravitate towards the people that you do life with, to gravitate towards the people that you have things in common with. Well, I'm all guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. But what I don't want us as a church to ever do is don't ever forget that while we have our little group, you have your little circle of friends. Don't ever forget that there are people walking onto this campus every single Sunday morning that want exactly what you have. And they don't have it. How dare we as the body of Christ be so self-absorbed that we're so caught up into our little groups that we aren't doing what Paul commands to and we're not pursuing hospitality. We're not pursuing the love of strangers. How much different would it look on Sunday morning if all of us had those lenses to where we simply walked around this campus looking for people who may not belong? who may look a little different than you, who may talk a little different than you, what would it look like if we went to them and loved them right where they are? And here's what I want you to understand. That when somebody comes to church the second time, they're not coming because of preaching. They're not even coming the second time because the worship was good. They're coming the second time because you recognized them and you noticed them. You met them right where they are. That's why people come the second time. That's why people come the third time. You would think the word of God works or something. That if we will pursue hospitality, if we will create a culture where everyone feels as if they belong, I don't think three services even hold a match to what can happen in this local body of believers. If we will have the eyes of Jesus, if we will pursue hospitality. Now look, here's my disclaimer. All that being said, we're not there yet. We're all a work in progress. But I think if we all lock arms, we can do it together. And so this is something that I'm so burdened by and it kept me awake about a month and a half ago so much that kind of the ongoing joke now is me and my wife, we sit somewhere different every Sunday. And the reason we do that is because I began to realize and got convicted that if I sat right here, on my little front seat in the corner, on the front, you know what's gonna happen? I'm gonna talk to the same 20 people every single Sunday. You see, I don't believe that's pursuing hospitality. I met a man this morning. Never seen him before. Shook his hand. 
He introduced himself. He said, is this your first time? No. I'm thinking, okay, please, God, be a second time. He said, I've been here for six months. You talking about open mouth, insert foot? But that should break our hearts that we as the church are so self-absorbed into our groups, to our connections, that there's people every week walking on campus that want the very thing you have. And you know how we remind ourselves to have that mindset? It's what Jesus did for you. You were a stranger. You were an enemy of God. He pursued a relationship with a stranger. He came after you because he loved you, because he wants you to be a part of this family of God that we're talking about being adopted into. And guess what? Him coming to you was not determined about how much money you make. Him coming to you was not determined by the color of your skin. Him coming to you was not determined about how many kids you have. It wasn't determined by if you were divorced, if you're single, if you're remarried. He came to you just as you are. And my friend, that is by God what we are called to do to a lost and a dying world is meet people right where they are. You see, God loved us not because of who we are, but he loved us in spite of who we are. And one reason I am so passionate, and my nose is running, Jeff, I need some tissue paper or something. Chelsea got on to me for wiping my nose last two service too much. She goes, quit wiping your nose. I'm like, well... Now, ain't nobody shaking my hand after church today, are they? <laughs> I'll go to the back. Thank you, Jeff. Look at him serving. You see that? Pursuing hospitality. <laughs> I told you, what you see is what you get. But the reason I'm so passionate about us as a church doing these things is what John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35 says. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. He said, I give you a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. You are also loved. You are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Everyone, I believe some versions say all men, and you've heard it said before, is all, is all that all means. It means everyone. So when we're loving the way that God has commanded us to love, yes, I believe that the believers are gonna be drawn to it, but I believe a lost and a dying world's eyes are gonna be open to it because the way we as the church loves is contrary to what the world teaches to love. But I love what he says here. That it doesn't say he tells us how they will know that we're disciples. By the way you love. He doesn't say they will know you are my disciples by the t-shirt you wear. He doesn't say that the world will know you're my disciples because of the sticker on the back of your car. 
He doesn't say the world will know you're my disciples by the bracelet that you wear on your arm. And don't hear what I'm not saying. Nothing's wrong with all of those things, but that can't be the reason that we think people are gonna come to church is because we have the coolest sticker or the coolest t-shirt. And I stand to say again, you will never have a sticker on the back of your car that says Chestnut Mountain Church. Because guess who's getting called when you cut them off? We do. And so you're gonna go from belonging and I'm gonna say, uh-uh, they don't belong here. They don't. But I want you to understand that while all that stuff is, is fun, I guess, the way we are called to the lost world to know we're his is the way we love each other. And I venture to say the way that we're called to love is an impossibility without the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit living in you. You can't love unless you've experienced love. You can't love unless you were that rebel saved by the grace of God. You can't love until you realize that God loved you in spite of who you are. And so maybe you're having trouble today processing this because you're not a child of God. To my knowledge, I know today there's already been a couple of people who have trusted and placed their faith in Jesus Christ and we're gonna praise God for that because now the supernatural love that was injected into their heart today, maybe for the first time they got a glimpse of what true love is all about. And so today, if you're here this morning and you're apart from God, you don't have a relationship with this father, you don't feel that you've ever been adopted into that family, can I tell you today, it's as simply as crying out and asking God to save you. He knows your heart. You don't have to have the right words to say. You're not gonna get graded on the prayer you pray because he knows the condition of your heart. And so before you leave, as the Spirit draws you, I beg of you today to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because the Bible says you will be saved. You say, well, pastor, is it that simple? Yes, it's that simple. But then for the rest of us, maybe you say, well, Brian, I know I'm a child of God. I've placed my faith in Jesus. I hope you were as convicted as I was as I just looked at these three simple things of how to love someone, how to honor someone, and how to serve someone. And the Spirit of God revealed a lot of failures in my life this week. What would it look like if we as a church got on our face and said, God, help us perfect these God, help us live these things out because I can't do it in my flesh. Church, I 100% believe if we will learn to love people, to honor people and serve people, this campus will not hold us. But praise God, the family of God and the kingdom of God can
Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org and don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.